People have this need to apologize, and I think my entire approach to running is like, shut up and run, be unapologetic about who you are. Yeah, we can get better, faster, stronger, but I don't necessarily think that's the goal. If you're not enjoying the experience in the training miles, and I don't think it really matters what the finish line looks like. That's Robin Arzon, and this is The Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. What are you doing, people? How's it going? What's happening? Greetings. Welcome. My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Welcome to the Rich Roll Podcast, the show where each week I sit down with the world's best and brightest, the paradigm-breaking minds across all categories of health, wellness, diet, nutrition, fitness, athletic performance, wellness in general, entrepreneurship, artistry, creativity, spirituality, mindfulness, meditation. You get the picture, right? And I do all of this to help all of us unlock and unleash our best most authentic selves. So thank you for tuning in today, for sharing the show with your friends, for subscribing to the show on iTunes, for taking a moment to give a review on iTunes. That helps us out so much. Please do that if you haven't already. Uh, It's a weird small thing, but it actually makes a big difference in terms of the rankings on iTunes, and that helps with visibility, blah, 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 blah. Also, mad love to everybody who has made a habit of always using the Amazon banner ad at richworld.com for all your Amazon purchases. Doesn't cost you a cent extra, but uh, Amazon kicks us some loose commission change, really helps us out a lot. You can find that banner ad on any episode page on my site, or you can just type in richworld.com forward slash Amazon, same result. So I got my good friend Robin Arzon back on the show today. Super excited about this. I just love her. Uh, You know her. She's the one who went from corporate lawyer to ambassador of sweat and swagger. Uh, She's been on the show twice before, RRP 137, which was March of last year, I think, a little over a year ago. And she was also on uh, episode 99, which was August of 2014, two stellar episodes. She's definitely uh, a podcast favorite. She's a powerhouse. She makes quite the impression. Uh, So it was really fun to, again, sit down with her when I was in New York City earlier this spring and Got a bunch more, of course, that I want to say about her in a couple secs, but first. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team, from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. 
To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple, search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. All right, back by very, very popular demand. We have my good friend Robin Arzon rejoining the podcast once again for a third time. If you're new to the show, you are in for such a treat. For the uninitiated, Robin is a former corporate lawyer turned ultra runner. She once ran five marathons in five days across Utah. She's currently training for her first 100 miler, which is amazing. She's a New York City-based running coach, a cycling instructor, a brand ambassador and consultant. She's basically female empowerment embodied. She is urban inspiration at large for just so many reasons, not the least of which is the fact that she walked out on her secure corporate career to pursue her passion, the fact that she not only survived a hostage kidnapping incident, she now uses this experience to fuel her direction and her gratitude, and the fact that she currently manages her incredibly active lifestyle while combating and transparently sharing her journey as somebody who suffers from type 1 diabetes, which is a diagnosis she only recently got a few years back as an adult. 
And now I'm very excited to be able to call her author because her freaking awesome new book, Shut Up and Run, How to Get Up, Lace Up, and Sweat with Swagger, awesome title, by the way, uh, is hitting bookstores very soon on June 21st. And I don't even know where to begin with this book. Or I should more aptly say, I suppose, that I don't know where Robin ends and this book begins or where this book ends and Robin begins because they're basically one and the same. Part fitness manual, part training program, part self-help advice, and part photography and color explosion. This book is sort of the literary manifestation bullseye of everything that is Robin, her ethos, her aesthetic, her look, her voice, her guidance, her tips and tricks, her welcome inviting hand, her unmistakable message of empowerment and her call to action, which are all laid out in this really inspiring coffee table style roadmap starburst that's just screaming with uh, attitude. It's just, it's a super unique book. That's the best that I can do in describing it. It's just something that you have to experience. And I love Robin. She's just an awesome, awesome person. And I've said this before, but as a father of two little girls, I'm really inspired by her shining example of positive female empowerment. Uh, I've got a 12-year-old daughter, Mathis. She's a big fan of Robin's. And that makes me really happy. It makes me happy that Robin exists and does what she does so that my daughter can look to her rather than who happens to be on the latest cover of Us Magazine or People Magazine. You know, women need role models. Young girls need role models. And Robin really fulfills that that uh, slot, that, that spot with um, with her signature swagger and just her beautiful smile and her positive shining example of what it means to be a strong, accomplished woman. So I'm really psyched to bring you this conversation today. It's just, it's really great. If you're new to my show again, and you wanna hear the full Robin life story, I definitely go back and listen to episode 99, then hit up episode 137. Uh, iTunes only goes back to the most recent 50 episodes, but if you download my app on the App Store, my iOS app, you can access the entire catalog. If you're on Android, uh, you can go to SoundCloud. I think SoundCloud has an app for Android. You can listen to the entire catalog there. If you're already up to speed, you've listened to those, then get ready to rock because Robin packs the heat. Enjoy. I can't believe you're in my crib. There. I know. <laughs> this is awesome. How long did it take? How long have you lived here? Four years. Yeah. It's it's an eternity for New York. It's cool. It's a groovy neighborhood, too. There's a lot going on downstairs. Can we please, when this is over, go down and like do some kind of dope Instagram in front of that David Bowie Oh my God, please. And I haven't even Instagrammed it yet. Oh, you haven't? I was like, it's weird because I saw that and I was like, I don't think I've seen that on Robin's. How is this not on our Instagram? (laughs) How has it not been blown up yet on all social media channels? No, actually I've been waiting for the right moment. So I think this is the right moment. Here we go. It's going to happen. Oh, this is so great. Okay, I'm excited. Cool. So what is going on? What is happening with you? It's been (laughs) a year and a half since we, we, it was winter time. That's all I remember. Okay, time, it flies. And I feel like everything is going on and nothing is going... I mean, I feel like I'm on the same mm-hmm. roller coaster ride, but I'm not getting used yeah, to the you're, drops. You're, yeah, but there's a, <laughs> there's a lot... When we talked last, there were a lot of seeds being planted that are yeah, now... Yeah, things uh, are sprouting. There's a lot of roses that are about to bloom 
on the Robin Arzon uh, <laughs> fertile soil. I feel so lucky. I don't even know. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing that's coming down the pipeline is my book on mm-hmm. June 21st, Shut Up and Run, will be published by HarperCollins. And it's it's my baby. I can't believe it. All right. So first of all, you just sent me like a draft galley or whatever yeah. via email like last night. Like, <laughs> I'm like wall to wall in New York going from like thing to thing to thing. And I'm like, I could have used this like a week ago. But yeah, so. So in all candor and honesty, like I didn't even look at it until like an hour and a half ago because <laughs> okay. I couldn't. And I'm on That's my phone good. scrolling through it. But you had described to me before what it what it what it was, what it was gonna be. And it is exactly that. It's like, <laughs> but it's like super dope, super robin, super NYC, totally fun. <laughs> it's completely your vibe. Like it's a really fucking cool book. Uh, I am so excited. Like I think, so I, when I was first becoming a runner, I was so intimidated by all of the, I mean, the running Bibles and the, like the compendium of, of, of information available. Yeah, it's like, why so serious? Yeah, I think. And I, I was thinking about this earlier as I'm sort of going through my own training plan with a fine tooth comb and geeking out on technology and, and going super like the pendulum has has definitely swung in the other direction but when I was writing this book I really wanted to take it back to how I fell in love with running which was lacing up in probably ill-fitting shoes at 10 p.m. at night running with my friends who are a motley crew of like downtown LES New York City yeah it's like miscreants warriors, <laughs> like it was very simple warriors come Literally, out and play it's the it's yeah. the warriors movie yeah. with with running and, uh-huh. but not running from the cops just right. running <laughs> less, less violent <laughs> less violent you know god willing less violent yeah um so yeah shut up and run it has training plans it has substance it has you know really my genuine approach to training and how i've trained for <clears throat> you know, dozens of ultra marathons and upwards of 20 marathons and now my hundred miler. But I kind of feel like there is just a lot of bullshit. Like, honestly, you don't need like a $700 Garmin watch for your 5k, like chill, bruh. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I just think that there's a lot of noise that intimidates people unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. And I also think that people people feel like they need to apologize for being newer, slower, bigger, smaller, whatever, whatever adjective you Mm want to apply to it that is making you feel lesser than. People have this need to apologize. And I think my entire approach to running is like, shut up and run, be unapologetic about who you are. Yeah, we can get better, faster, stronger, but I don't necessarily think that's the goal. Um, if you're not enjoying the experience in the training miles and I don't think it really matters what the finish line looks like. Well, you've definitely accomplished that. It is exactly that because it has all the information, but it's presented in a very accessible and fun way. Like it's not taking itself too seriously. And it's like, come on, you can do this. Like, let's do this together. And it's just blasting with like, 
you know, graffiti art and color <laughs> and everything that you're about, like your personality is like bleeding off every, every page. <laughs> so it has the information, but it's also, it's motivational and inspirational and it's, and it's inclusive, I think, which is what you're getting at, like this exclusivity versus inclusivity. Um, and when you were telling that story about people feeling intimidated, I think that's, that's a real thing, you know? And I remember going into a bike shop to get my first bike. And I was like, I didn't want to talk to the guy who worked there because I didn't mm -hmm. know anything. And there's this weird kind of unspoken etiquette and air of like elitism that pervades those kinds of places that makes you feel like, oh, fuck it, forget it. Like, you know, yeah, absolutely. I thought I wanted a bike, but like, I just, I can't even get it up to like ask this guy a question because I don't want to look stupid and I don't feel you know, confident in, you know, what it is that I want to ask him. And so you just kind of pivot and stare at your feet and walk out the door. What I find so interesting about experiences like that is I've actually found the running community and the cycling community, actually, as I've gotten more involved in it, to be extremely welcoming. So I think it's more about yourself it's uh, like how it's you feel about fully, yourself it is 100% yeah. what we're telling ourselves. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's going to be like that, 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 that isolated, like, douchebag at whatever race thinking he's he or she is fancy but largely speaking maybe it's what you're so, telling maybe yourself not so isolated. <laughs> maybe, well yeah. at, at the i think at running events it's it's rarer to find but i will running say, is much more inclusive yeah. than like triathlon <laughs> yeah and, and and certainly cycling y'all y'all think you fancy yeah. in the triathlon community uh, I, I say nothing. <laughs> as i give rich yeah. a side eye no 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 I've, I've had a really amazing experience and my first try will be july Six weeks after my first hundred miler, swimming going. <laughs> swimming is is going. Posted, I got in the uh, pool this picture. morning. <laughs> I saw that. No, I, felt, I did. Really, you actually I like, swim, or did, did you just make sure that you got a dope Instagram out of the whole <laughs> well, thing? Well, I got the Instagram photo out of the way first. Yeah, okay. and then and then I and then I got in the pool and, and did priorities. Some work. <laughs> I was like, hold up, hold up. I got to get this Instagram yeah. shot. Nobody's in the pool right now. This right. is going to be epic. Right, Priorities. <laughs> but I earned my selfie or in my, earned my shot. Um, yeah, but I, I do think we tell ourselves so much crap. I mean, you know, you talk about it. And I love it. You highlight it on this podcast all the time as like the internal storytelling and, and what that means. And I think, I think for Shut Up and Run, it was, I wanted to highlight how it should be inclusive, but it doesn't mean, just because you're welcoming everyone doesn't mean you can't be kind of ferocious about it. Mm -hmm. Like I think that there's like a combination of uh, mining away at our better selves in a way that's kind of competitive. Mm -hmm. Like I believe that we should and be competitive with and ourselves. unapologetic and uncompromising. Like, uh, yeah. stand, stand for who you are. Like, stand your ground, you know, be in your power and, like, don't compromise. Like, take it seriously. We'll have fun and we're this, you know, motley tribe or whatever, you know, warriors. But but there's something real going on here that's empowering. I I think that I want to keep keep the the experience of movement light enough to get people in and serious enough to make sure people understand that probably the most important thing that they will do in this world is move their own body weight through mm -hmm. the universe. Like, honestly, that is for me, the definition of power mm -hmm. and that shit is super real. So yeah, like you might see a jazzy Pinterest post and like go to my Instagram and be like, oh, okay, that's cool. But I really live this shit. And there's a lot of 
you can't fake the funk. There's a lot of there's mm-hmm. a lot of people trying to fake the funk out there. Uh-huh. So first of all, <laughs> that that brings up an interesting point. Like uh, Mathis, my 12 year old daughter, who's obsessed with you. She's like, are you gonna see Robin when you go to New York? Uh, Have you seen her yet? Your like, kids are so awesome. Her? Whatever. So Mathis says hello. Tell her I said hi. I would love to hang out with her. She's yeah, so you badass. Gotta, you got to come out and like come to one of her hockey games. Please. Or, yeah. The photos you post of her, I'm uh-huh. like so proud yeah she's (laughs) She's she's so she's She's so amazing cool um but anyway she's like make sure you ask robin about uh how that other clothing company tried to steal her style and her vibe (laughs) (laughs) oh she fired yeah so so i love it so basically getting at like what's real versus what's affected for marketing you know and i and you really do live this 24 7 like i've been to your spin class i see how you interact with everybody and you hit the streets and it's all day long, every day for you. I mean, I, I truly, yeah, I self-identify as an athlete, not because I plan on even ever winning a race. I'm, who knows? Maybe I'll never PR again. I'm still a freaking athlete. But that doesn't matter. Like, it, this is your lifestyle. Like, you get up and your day is a continuous, like, workout that's interrupted <laughs> yes. by, you know, other things. It's not like, <laughs> oh, I got my workout done. Now I have my day. Like, your day is, you know, maybe your day is full of meetings, but you're running or cycling from meeting to meeting. And then you're teaching your class. And then you're taking people out to go run through the streets. And then you have your bridge runners. And then, you know, you're riding your bike home at midnight or 1 a.m. And that's a workout in and of itself as well. So everything that you do is kind of active and that's a extension of just your natural personality well that th- i'm glad wow you described yeah. my life perfectly uh, <laughs> i mean that i think that that's pretty accurate um but i guess to get to the point of I, i'm so reticent to be like someone so isn't a, a real runner a real athlete a real whatever like well, who gets to make that decision well i think that i think that there is such an attraction right now to the pretense or the aesthetic, not the pretense, the aesthetic of being an athlete. Like even on runways, like you see that sort of hybrid sport and fashion. And I do see brands trying to hit at sort of the urban athlete or the urban athletic experience. And then I see Instagram models and faux, I don't know, just people who are trying to present as if, and I just don't believe in doing anything as if. Um, it's any, it's like any other movement that's been usurped by for commercial purposes. Mm-hmm. It's no different. I mean, historically, it's it's been done thousands of times. I mean, the, but I'm just know, I'm just very sensitive commerce. to it. <laughs> yeah, it's the nature of commerce. But when it's when it when the, when it gets when they're stepping on your welcome mat. Yeah, man. I mean, there's like. There's this chick on Instagram and she came out with this 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 line and I actually don't I can't even speak to the line. I'm sh- the clothes might be great. But what really hit a nerve was that she came out with this video launching the line and she's like running two blocks from where I live and spitting on the ground and trying to look all aggressive. I'm like, "Okay, queen. Um <laughs> that's not working." So, uh-huh. <laughs> we can go on a real run though. Like we can chain for a real race cuz that is bullshit. Um and I think it's just uh, the as p- people people acting as if they are a part of something, and it's like if you want to be part of it, you are more than welcome to actually do the thing, mm-hmm. but don't take a photo as if you were doing it, right. and then you know go whatever, do whatever the hell, go back to your online shopping, whatever the fuck. I'm like <laughs> I'm not down. <laughs> 
Well, that's that that's a good place to get into kind of a recent development since we last talked, which is which is that you you're now like this Adidas sponsored athlete, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and like literally, there's like billboards of you all over the world, and did a, there, there was a commercial that aired during the Super Bowl, the Grammys. Oh, the I Grammys. Think, okay, uh, I didn't watch what the Super Bowl, but. That, but it's the one that Some, I saw, it right? Gr- it's super gr- short. It, yeah, it's like a it seemed t- like too short for a TV commercial. Well, there's a YouTube spot that was 30 seconds, and then I think they spliced it for for the big uh-huh. the big national debuts. Right. So how did this go down? Like suddenly your 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 face plastered all over it's the world. So, like that's pretty crazy. It is beyond. Are you kidding me? Like I don't even understand what my life is. Um, it's totally weird. But yeah, I signed with Adidas. Uh, last year 2015 and when i shot the campaign the here to create campaign which was the one you're referring to honest to god i thought i was shooting something for like instagram or like twitter mm. like i thought it was like not a big deal and then a few months later the, they're like oh, by the way your commercials airing in the grammys and you're in a campaign with freaking candace parker and like other professional athletes mm-hmm. and i'm like oh okay I feel really intimidated right. by all of that. Were you like, uh, I need to go back and read my contract again? Well, I just couldn't <laughs> believe, I mean, you know, I, I'm signed with them all yeah. year. And I, I really feel so grateful that I am aligned with, with a company that is super, super emphatic about authentic storytelling. So there, there hasn't been a single moment where I've felt manipulated or or trying to put be put into any kind of box like I so believe in unchecking all the boxes and then creating your own or just living you know sort of living in that fluid space where where you're redefining yourself every day and Adidas has completely been down with that Hmm. so from photo shoots to posts to the gear I mean I'm obsessed with the gear running it I, I, I really do believe that ultra boost are the best running shoes I've ever experienced but uh, and that's actually how the relationship came about because I organically was posting about the shoes and I was I haven't done a single race not in those shoes in over a year but um, but yeah I feel really really grateful that I'm able to even be part of be part of their storytelling and 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 that they allow you to be who you are and they're not trying to make you into somebody that you're not in order to sell shoes which you know brings up a consistent theme on this podcast which is authenticity right hell yeah and I'm always trying to like check myself against that like one thing I did the other week was you know when I have to the hardest part of this podcast for me is doing the intros like sitting down yeah I want to make sure that I introduce the guests properly and what are the things I need to make sure I mention and and I've always defaulted to kind of pretty much scripting it out and then and then speaking it and then trying to get it right and I'm like this just doesn't feel authentic to me anymore. And I listen to it and it sounds stilted and it just, it just doesn't jive. So it's like the point I'm trying to make is like, I'm I'm trying to put something out authentic and I'm constantly discovering areas in which I could be more authentic than I am. And then trying to like, you know, step into that. Um, I think that's important. and, And, and I think as we progress through this, you know, more and more kind of like social sharing culture that we're in, like every month there's a new app that everybody has to be on and yeah. you now everyone's Snapchatting and we're all like sharing you know, our entire lives. I love your Snapchat, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> you really up the game. I know. I was like, I hit these things and then I kind of like, I didn't do anything today because I was like, I need a freaking break. Do I? Have oh to yeah. I took a few days. I know. I know. You know what I mean? I know. 
So like there has to be moments that are not, you know, that. But, I agree. But when you choose to share, like I, you know, it, it is more and more important that it be real and not contrived. And, and, uh, and, and, and when you look at how that operates in the context of marketing and advertising with a big brand like Adidas, it seems to me that it's the obvious choice to work with someone like yourself as opposed to a professional athlete where everybody knows like, oh, well, they just have a sponsorship deal and they're going to wear that gear and they're going to say nice things about it. But what does that really mean? You mm. know, apparently that's still very um, influential in terms of driving purchasing. But it seems to me that more and more like why aren't brands, why aren't all brands trying to find people with real authentic followings that already like love the product? That seems to be more valuable to me than you know Shaquille O'Neal saying like I drink whatever drink. <clears throat> I t I mean I agree. I think that that's absolutely the future. I think that's actually the future of marketing is is that softer sell. I mean, you see these Snapchat stars. I mean, you have like YouTube sensations, like sixteen-year-old kids with millions of followers, and like if they're genuinely speaking about a brand, a product, a drink, whatever. I mean, that's going to be much more effective. Of that's course, a, that's but I feel like sure. brands are still reticent to really, truly understand that. I think it's inevitable, but... Yeah, it's inevitable. I, inevitable. I mean, these digital marketing streams are the future. Like, I don't even think... And do people even watch like regular TV? I was surprised people even saw the I my Grammy commercial. Like I didn't. Than you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, think I mean, I'm kind of like in a bubble. Right. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Like I've noticed on Snapchat. So, all right, DJ Khaled like is the king of Snapchat, right? Okay. Is, wait. Is there anybody Can on Snapchat that like doesn't follow him? I, I am upset. He is like my he's like my Oprah. Uh huh. He's like <laughs> he is so into these motivational he's speeches. He's so inspirational. Yeah. It's crazy, you guys. Oh my god. It's amazing, and he's entertaining, and it's you know it's humorous because he's, he's talking so to his, his like lion statue. And, Yo, you know, we the best. Hilarious. <laughs> and so everywhere good. he goes, he's mobbed with fans. It's yes. insane. Um, but uh, he started this vegan experiment where he's doing this thing, 22 Days of Nutrition, which is my friend Marco's company, and Marco's been on the podcast. So dope. And so like three times a day, he's like, yo, Chef D, where's my vegan meals? 22 <laughs> Days of Nutrition. And like throughout the day, he's constantly talking about 22 Days, new, 22 days of Nutrition. I'm like, that is, the, that is a stroke of marketing genius. Beyond. Like, you cannot get that kind of you know, promotional airtime in a traditional way like that is a that that is the future i think of marketing i don't know how we got way into the weeds on this con this, uh, subject, well, <laughs> this is like a gary v conversation <laughs> yeah, but. but i think but also like we're also voyeuristic like there's something about snapchat that you feel like you're literally like <laughs> like you're not supposed to be there like i'm just like am i supposed to be watching this <laughs> I guess That's I can true. be. It feels like right. Like I don't know. Like you're violating their personal space. It's like slightly space. creepy, which like excites me. Uh huh. Maybe that's why it's so popular. I don't know. Honest, and also it's it's so it's so much more raw than I think other platforms. So that keeps it and the ephemeral kind of twenty four hour thing. Right. I think that for me that keeps it kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. So what does this relationship with Adidas look like going forward? I mean, it seems pretty cool. Like, where are these billboards? There's one in Tokyo, right? Yeah, well, There's yeah, well, I've seen, New York. yes, I'm on, the, I'm on the Soho store, uh -huh. which is freaking. That's so crazy. I, so do people like stop you in the street now and go, you know, I do get stopped, NYC? yeah, I do, yeah, it's uh -huh. weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't even get it. I can, 
it literally leaves me at a loss for words, which is rare. But it's a weird experience to be recognized just because I run and I have like an Instagram account. Like, mm. I don't know, it's just really bizarre. And then like the Peloton family, the, the cycling studio that I teach at, like they're really engaged. And it's just been a beautiful experience to sort of meet people in real life that, you know, that you only interact with socially. Right. So this is your third time on the podcast, right? Yeah. It's your third time. Third um, time. So a lot of people already know, you know, your superhero origin story. But <laughs> you know, there's some new listeners. So I thought it would be good because we're both, you know, former lawyers there's a lot of cross-section reformed lawyers to just kind of recap that quickly to to get people up to speed who maybe are listening to you for the first time yeah so i was a lawyer for seven years a corporate litigator and i was never ever an athlete i didn't run a single mile until i was like 23 and i fell in love with running as i was practicing law kind of on parallel tracks and i started running to sort of get over like this traumatic experience where I was held hostage in New York City and we talk about that in the very first podcast right if you want to hear that whole thing <laughs> you want that whole story quite gripping yeah I'll put show I'll put links in the show notes up to those former episodes but thankfully uh, I, I survived that and sort of used running as a form of therapy and I felt like I was leading such a divorced existence between being a lawyer and feeling uninspired and feeling so um, impassioned and enlivened, I guess, if that's, yeah, uh, when I ran, that I ran out of a law career. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, social media kind of hit at the same time, and I was able to monetize that experience mm -hmm. of my love for running, being, you know, it's just a street athlete. It's kind of an amazing thing. You know, people bash social media, but it's given me a life that I could not, would not have been possible. Without know, question, I feel the same way. Five or 10 years earlier, you know, and so. yeah. Um, and so one of the things I kind of want to explore a little bit, um, is something that comes up with me a lot. Like people say like, well, how do I, you know, how do I change my career? I'm like, how do I do what you do? And, and, and I'm always at a loss. Like, yeah, I don't want to give, I don't want to give advice for that. And, you know, quite often my advice is like, why are you quitting your job? You know, it's like, are you sure that's really what you want to do? And for me, there was no direct line and, and, you know, Part of it was irresponsible, I think, and and perhaps premature. And <laughs> there was no template for what I do. There was no like I didn't know that it was going to work out in the way that it has, and it certainly didn't happen overnight, despite whatever you might read on the internet. So I'm interested in kind of exploring how that occurred for you, like how you developed the courage and the faith to make that leap, and and you know how you got from A to Z. It took about two years for me to leave my law firm, and I, re I honestly left law thinking I was going to be a very traditional journalist. Like, storytelling has always been fascinating to me, but I thought I was going to be writing about other people, or writing only as, as sort of my medium. And people ask me that all the time, like, how do I do what you're doing? And... It's the wrong question. It's so the wrong question. And often I want to write back or respond like, what part of what I'm doing? Because like, I think it's lost on a lot of people that it's not just about Instagram posts or I don't know, Adidas ads. Like 
when you're really hustling as a freelance sort of independent entity, the shit never stops. Like I'm 24 seven. It's like, seriously, what part? Is it Mm -hmm. the 500 emails that I answered this morning? Is it engaging, you know, sort of preparing for my Peloton classes, doing my own training, um, or just simply networking? Like I planted, like you referenced the seeds. I planted a lot of seeds when I was completely confused and I had zero direction. So I was like, I'm just going to plant a seed in everywhere, everywhere that I look. And if it's somebody or something that I respect, and that sort of speaks to my gut, I'm gonna engage that in mm-hmm. some way. Whether it's pinging them with an email that they never respond to, which happened a lot, or whether it's you know a revolutionary meeting like with Kara Goucher at the Olympics, who now like knows me and you know we're friendly. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I can't even. That's bizarre, but it never would have happened if I hadn't been bold enough to approach. So it's, and it's kind also of like, not, you gotta be bold, dude. Yeah, but it's not contrived either. It's not like you set out and like, my goal is to have a billboard of me in Soho. That's an external, no. external manifestation of you like blazing a journey that is authentic to who you are. Like, I think that there are pract- there's obviously practical approaches for leaving a job or a relationship or a scenario that makes you unhappy, of course. Um, I've always been like slightly impractical. Like I was thinking about this today. I, w- I just went to Costa Rica. I have a hundred miler coming up in May and I went to Costa Rica. I didn't do a single run. I did a ton of yoga, but it completely screwed up my training. Like I'm, mm-hmm. f- I'm definitely like two, maybe even three long runs behind in my training schedule because I made the decision to make that trip. And I'm standing there thinking about my long run tomorrow. Like, damn, this 20 miler is going to suck. I should have done, you know, and I'm just like, regretting but then I realized I always have a devil on my shoulder that's at least 30% ratchet it's at least 30% telling me like to make bad decisions Mm -hmm. and I just own that I own that part of it like even though I'm an athlete I'm gonna make is it a bad well it's a bad decision in the context of trying to get a PR but it's not a bad decision in term in the in the in terms of like living a you know an interesting life yeah agreed but I've had to accept that I've had to accept that that big or small, I guess it depends on how you look at it, dose of impracticality, uh-huh. which is why when I'm giving advice to people, I'm like, maybe I'm not the best person to listen to because I'm just like a go for it, go with your gut kind of person. So when you get those emails and it's like, how do I do what you do? Or like, what do you, you know, how do you, how do I get out of what I'm doing and step into whatever? Like, how do you respond to that? Okay. I'll be totally honest. I only respond. It goes back to the authenticity piece that you're just talking about because like, if I feel like you're coming at me with that question, trying to hack, trying to take a shortcut, I have zero respect for it and I will just shut it down with no response. Mm. Or, or worse for you, a response that you probably weren't looking for. <laughs> you're gonna blast somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I just really don't like it when people are looking for shortcuts as a way to avoid the grittiness. Because mm. I think it's in the grittiness that you earn your stripes. like and training and everything, all the difficult conversations you have with anybody in your life, like all that stuff, like that is how you earn. I mean, that I think that's like, I don't know. I have a unicorn hanging on my wall. Like I feel like that's where unicorns live. It ain't all rainbows and shit. Like it's through, it's through hard stuff that magic happens. Anyway, so I respond to people who are genuine in unearthing something more and usually that involves like a little bit of background storytelling in in the in the approach Mm -hmm. and and 
I, you know, I've definitely taken like informational interviews and, and calls and like even Skype sessions with people that just their story hits me. And usually that comes from a bold and maybe even vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to be willing to uh, endure uh, a period of time in your life that perhaps is going to suck. You know, it's like you can't when you began, you thought you were going to be a journalist. You're not a yeah. journalist yeah. now. No. You know what I mean? Like, so your concept or your idea of how you were going to land outside the, outside the law firm lifestyle uh, is not the reality that you're living today. So there's an element of faith and trust and willingness, uh, courage and willingness to you know chase a thread or follow a thread and not be attached to any particular avenue and kind of just it's in the showing up, right? It's and and I think that's you know, at odds with this life hack culture that we're in. Like, how am I going to biohack my way to, you know, a career like Robin Arzon has? Dude, like, it doesn't like, work that way. Oh, people are so. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention something I can't go into detail. So like last summer I, I filmed this adventure series, which I can talk more about it when it airs, but I was supremely uncomfortable basically living with no worldly possessions and, Weren't you about to go do that the last time that we yeah. talked? Yeah, well, it was funny because that show fell through and then a different show ended uh, up materializing okay. and it's like you totally have to trust the journey. Well, that's another example of what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you trust the journey. But like, I think, I mean, <laughs> living like in the wild with nothing is obviously an extreme <laughs> example. I, I totally don't expect most people to do that. But I guess my point is like... It's emblematic of you the whole... You don't thing. know what you're capable of until you go there and you go to the exact uncomfortable spot that you've been avoiding. Like... We live in such a culture, at least Westerners live in such a culture where we're seeking shortcuts and hacks and apps and like multitasking, time-saving genie machines. And I'm like, y'all are twisted. Like we need to get a little more centered, a little more grounded and a little bit more intentional with where we're putting our energy. Like if somebody, if somebody reaches out to me, a lot of times my first response when I choose to respond is how badly do you want it? Like really how badly do you want it? Mm -hmm. Because same thing with training, same thing with anything like worth having. Do you want it more than, you know, going out until two in the morning? Do you want it more than potentially like, you know, nurturing a romantic relationship? Cause those are sacrifices that I definitely have made to mm -hmm. be sitting with you right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this came up when I was talking to Gary Vee and he's like, you know, you have to do an inventory of your life. And he's like, once you kind of do that, you know, most people, you know, eight out of 10 people are are going to realize like, hey, the life I have right now, I kind of like, like, I like going out with my buddies and getting drunk on Thursday night. Yeah. You know, I like watching House of Cards and all that kind of stuff that yeah. if you if you really want to shake things up and like, you know, jump into the void and take on this mantle of blazing the warrior's path and trying to, you know, create some kind of entrepreneurial self-styled lifestyle that you've been able to accomplish, it ain't going to be easy. And you're not going to know all the answers and have it all figured out, you know, and I, it's almost analogous to this example that I always use, like, and in, in, in this kind of comes up in your book, Shut Up and Run, like people who they want to know like what kind of running shoe they should get or what kind of garment, you know, to get. Mm -hmm. And, and they don't, they don't really want the answer to that. They want that <laughs> conversation to continue because 
that masks the fear of just going out and doing it. Of like, course. As long as I don't know exactly what kind of shoe is best for me, then I don't have to go out and run. Of course. It's like, how many issues of Runner's World are you going to go through before you actually yes. lace up and the get the same magazine every out? month. The, like, real talk. I mean, honestly, guys, I think, I mean, I think, honestly, that's why I wrote my book. It's like, shut up and run. Like, Stop overcomplicating the situation. Like, of course, you're going to evolve and progress and like realize that X running shoe is better than Y running shoe and then get to a point where maybe you really should be investing in technology that that's pricey. But it doesn't start there. It starts with literally the drive. How badly do you want it? Are you going to get out the door? Are you going to sacrifice watching the House of Cards marathon? Are you going to sacrifice, you know, going out for a late dinner? Like, I mean, it's it's those things that our entire lives are made up of micro decisions and micro moments. And like, if we're simultaneously celebrating tiny victories and pursuing the next one, we're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I feel about it. Right. So what, give me some more truth talk. <laughs> Cause I like that. That was good. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, don't get me on my pedestal. Uh -huh. No, I mean, I just, I, and I think I feel so, I feel so encouraged that I'm constantly interacting with people who are like on, at all points along their athletic journey from people getting off the couch to like really, really accomplished ultra marathoners who, you know, I, I envy and admire, but I think, okay, so Kara Goucher, for example, I admire her so much. She's, I think one of my favorite professional runners on the planet. She had a tough go trying to make the Olympic team. She didn't make it for the marathon. And I actually saw her for a running event at a at Mile High Run Club in New York City a few weeks ago. And she was super honest about her failure. And I was just looking at this mm. woman who is, you know, one of the fastest marathoners in the female marathoners in the world. And I was like, wow, dude, like even she had had a fall that she had to to ingest. Like you just have to ingest those grimy moments and honor them enough, you know, to process it. But then like you reset your sights. And she was like, and I'm going for it in the 10K. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going for the Olympic team in the 10K. And I was like, yes, queen, I cannot deal with the pride I feel. Like I was like full on two snaps and a head swerve, like, yes, bitch, go. Like, I love you. <laughs> and it felt so inspiring. And I think people don't realize that, yes, I'm inspired by professional athletes. Many, many of us are. But you can also be inspired. I mean, I'm just as equally inspired by the person I see at a race who very evidently just started running and is like slogging along. Mm -hmm. And I think the amount of courage that that takes. Well, it's you know, I mean, the it's, willingness to look bad, to fail in front of other people, to be completely out of your comfort zone and doing it for yourself. It's like heroic and courageous. Yes. But I think that that's like the first layer of the onion. I think that we are gonna, we're gonna progress. The grimier we're willing to get, I think the more we're gonna shine. Like, I think it's almost like, ugh, you gotta like ingest that bad stuff. Like the bad runs, the bad, the pain, like the physical discomfort, the mental discomfort. A lot of times this journey, this large journey, I guess, if we're getting all like waxing us existential and shit, it, I think it's so, is so in our heads. Like when I started meditating a few years ago, it was almost like for six months of it, I was like, God, I don't even want to be in my thoughts that much. Like it was like frustrating. But now I can drop in within like 60 to 90 seconds and mm -hmm. I find such solace even when my mon monkey brain is crazy. You know, so 
But if I didn't have, if I didn't stick with it through six months of complete discomfort being like, dude, I really, I don't even want to think right now. I want to escape. I want to unplug. I want to watch, you know, the Netflix marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> We have such an escapist culture and I think people just need to drop in and like, I don't know, start drinking some mud, like just right. get with it. Right. And and that, I think, gets at the core of what running is all about for you, because it's not about PRs. It's not about like how many miles you logged this week. It is uh, it's a metaphor for a life's journey it's a metaphor for stepping into you know to coin the, th- the theme of this podcast like your most your best the best version of yourself your you're the most authentic version of yourself so can you speak a little bit about like running in the meta sense of of you know what it means in terms of personal development oh i mean without i i think it's so interesting also that it changes like even from the first time i did your podcast i wasn't a type one diabetic the second one, second time I did your podcast, I think I was, it was just before or after I was doing the Tokyo Marathon, just before. Okay. And I had a horrible race. My insulin device ended up failing. And now I'm on the cusp of doing my first 100 miler. In that entire time, I've had 30 seconds off of a BQ, away from a BQ, and I still haven't done it. I haven't PR'd mm-hmm. in like two and, a, and three years. And I had to sort of recalibrate like what that meant for me because for so long it was like, shaping away at this goal, shaving, shaving, shaving down in the time. And I haven't PR'd since I was diagnosed with type one. And I'm just like, oh my, I don't, and I'm still trying to unpack that. But I had to decide like, is this, is this journey of being a runner any less meaningful to me if I never reach this goal? Mm-hmm. And I realized that it wasn't. That like, I feel so much pride in what my body can do that I'm sorry, I'm not going to let somebody else's arbitrary time of 335 dictate how badass I am every time I, I get up for a training. Right. right. Why would you abdicate that level of control to somebody else? You but know, I think, this, I, but it took a long time for me to accept mm-hmm. that. And I'm not, and please, trust me, I understand PRs. I'm still going to go for it. Like, I, I don't think that we should just be like uh, all airy fairy and like totally issue, um, you know, time clocks or anything. But I think that we have to be a little bit more a little less heavy handed with how we treat ourselves, a little kinder to how, how badass it is every time we lace up. We start to take it for granted. Like I, it's like, oh, I just casually did this 20 miler. And then I see the reaction of some people or like, same thing, like ultra marathoners, ultra like, oh, I just logged 200 miles this week. I'm like, do you know what that means? Mm-hmm. Do you know what you're doing? You're pushing and pulling energy in this universe. Like that's serious stuff. Um, but I think oftentimes it's really lost on us when we're just so enmeshed in this world of, talking about PRs and shoes and we, we, I think, I think the message sometimes gets lost. Yeah. It's something that I'm grappling with right now because I haven't raced since 2011. Wow. And so what does that mean? You know, like, and people say to me all the time, when's your next race? What does your race calendar look like? And it's like, I get, I get out and I train every morning and I'm training for the love and I, you know, I, I'm not doing it with an agenda. Yeah. Um, but I get sort of, um, you know, I start thinking like, what does that mean in terms of my identity as this like public person and this ultra endurance athlete? Oh, I get I that. Yeah. Competed since 2011, and you know, I'm busy doing. You know, it's like if I'm training to compete, then I don't know how often I'm sitting down with Robin to have a conversation. Like, there's yeah. other things like because I, I can't do everything. So, what is the most important thing right. for me to be doing 
right now. And, you know, the kind of excitement that got me out of bed in the morning, pushing myself to do these races has been supplanted with this enthusiasm for trying to, you know, spread a healthy message as broadly and as, and as, um, and as, and as well as I can, you know Ugh, what I mean? Dude, and but like, that's so, so powerful. So what's more important? And, and maybe, you know, I can be the best ambassador of this message by doing another race. Like me, you know, I turned 50 this year. Maybe that's appropriate. I don't know. But like there's an identity struggle that I re- that you were kind of talking about that, like, I definitely relate to. Because if I say, well, I'm not going to race anymore, then does that mean that I'm not an athlete anymore? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what does that mean? And And does that mean that people will take me less seriously as a wellness advocate? Like, I get all caught up in my head about that. I could, well, no, they won't. But yes, I totally understand that. Like, and then I do wonder, you know, I'm training for my first hundred miler in, in May. I'm doing the Keys 100 and I feel totally underdrained. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I wonder after that, like, do I have to go longer? Do I have to go fat? Like, like, right. How, how well, there's do, no end to that. Oh, and there's always gosh. something crazier you can do. Yeah. You know? And, and this is an so. external pressure. Like this, these are the internal conversations mm-hmm. that are making us feel less than, which it keeps us driven, but it's also, you have to know when to temper that. You have to know when to balance that little voice um, that says can't. Mm-hmm. I don't always know how to do that, but I do try every day. Mm-hmm. So what's the number one thing that you think uh, you know, prevents people from you know, shutting up and just running? Oh man, I think okay. Well, immediate. Yeah, we we may maybe we already covered it. I well, my my immediate thought was that little voice, right? The little yeah. the little internal hater, but um, I think like the I think the best way to I think the best way honestly to like shut up that little voice is to get the hell out. If if your body is moving and you are uncomfortable. Nobody ever, I don't think anybody ever regrets a run. They only regret the runs that they didn't do. It's so powerful, you dude. Ready for this? It's just so basic. Mood follows action. Hell yeah. That's oh, what I 100. Say. And by the way, I didn't invent that. You know, Where'd you? Like, yeah, I don't know, I mean, but I've it's a good one. It, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I but might tweet that later. You cannot, you cannot uh, think your way out of your funk, like you, but you can act your way out of it. The only way to shift how you feel about yourself or the world or something that's going on is to take an action. But most people like our default is to sit around and like wait until we feel better before we take the action. But I also think like we we're so dependent on external things for how we feel like <clears throat> other people's validations hmm. and even even when we're trying to self-soothe we don't we don't self-soothe anymore we turn to our phones we self-medicate we self well self-medication i mean my god that's like a whole nother yeah we self-medicate a ton but i think also now technology is taking this role of like a weird security blanket and we were you know no pun intended we're running away from how we can better ourselves we are such an amazing machine and the more i sort of delve into like i don't know mental gymnastics and like the power of the mind 
I mean, I am fully on my hippie shit, dude. Like, right, I so, am like, what? <laughs> I am. I'm about to start levitating. Like, what, this is not a game. What the happened, mind is so powerful. What happened in Costa Rica? Ah, Costa Rica, oh God. Because this no. is a big festival, right? Yeah. Because like I have friends that went to this event, too. Envision is amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's Envision Festival in Costa Rica. And... It's, I don't know, I think around 5,000 people went. It's it's a music festival, an eco workshop. They've got like artists who fly in from all over the world. And it's four days in the jungle of Costa Rica. Just. It's kind of a, like a, like a, like a hippie tropical burning. Man. It's a hippie tropical. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, tons of burners went. Um, I'll be going back to Burning Man this year. Holla if you're going. You are. <laughs> Visit Street Life Camp. No, but. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so I am. I was. I had a chance to unplug in Costa Rica, and I have these moments. I mean, the yoga I did out there was magical, but I did kind of feel like I set the intention of. I kind of went by myself. I had friends who were going, but really the journey was pretty solo, and I had the intention of just like going literally wherever my gut told me to in that moment, whether it was like make a right turn right now or like sleep under this tree or like dance like a whirling dervish. Like I did until sunrise almost every night. And Is it the, kind of thing the energy you, was insane. You bring your own like tent and you're camping or do they yeah, have Yeah, people camp. They, yeah, no, you have to arrange your own accommodation. So some people rent houses, some people stay in local hotels, but the majority of the festival goers camp at this on the site. And there's, um, I mean, it was pretty cool. There's like a ton of organic and vegan food vendors. It was it was nice actually to not have to really worry about eating healthy food, especially abroad. But um, but I just think the vo- the energy that people bring to it is so amazing. And every time I go to these festivals, I'm like, man, if only we could carry that into our everyday experiences. And I do, and I try, but I'm also like, then like two seconds later, I'm like meditating and then I'm like flipping somebody the finger. Like I can't, right, like you know, a, I'm human. Why is that? I don't know. These external stimuli like set us off, but. Cause I everyone do, leaves events like that fired up. Like Oh, and has, like, and like, you know. so like, hu- like you're hugging cab drivers. I mean, you're yeah. just like, you know, I'm like high-fiving the flight attendants on the <laughs> flight home. Like it is. Or just what the vibe was in New York City post 9-11. Exactly. Versus, you know, it resetting back to kind of normal. Yeah. And over but, time. But, it, but we have such short, short attention spans, but even I think even shorter memories, like these catastrophic things happen around the world. And then two seconds later, we're like back to like the next BuzzFeed article. I'm like, mm-hmm. and even I do it. I'm susceptible to it too. And I, and I'm aware. So, I mean... I think that I'm always fascinated by the practice of yoga and you know my yoga teachers always remind me like yoga is called a practice for that reason like you don't reach this this final aha like you have like a million of them along the process god willing and I guess I always I mean I have things like from alarms on my phone to you know post-its you know in my apartment that kind of constantly remind me who I really want to be. And I think that that omnipresent reminder is actually pretty essential for anybody who's like interested in that sort of quote unquote wellness betterment path, because we are going to be pulled in so many different directions. I mean, who is, I think it was like E Cummings. I'm going to bastardize and paraphrase, but it was like, you know, being yourself in a world that's always trying to change you 
is one of the greatest accomplishments you will ever, you know, succeed at. And I think that that is right. Being trying, being you, uh, despite all these pressures, pulling. Yeah, pushing like I think to be something else. I think I, f- I often feel like I'm a modern day octopus. Like I'm being pulled to the point of breaking in a lot of days, and social media is my blessing and my curse. My this amazing career that I've constructed is is can can feel like a lot sometimes and I am not alone in that experience like what no matter what you do whether you are a stay-at-home parent or you are the CEO of a company I think that we are living <clears throat> tethered to a lot of things and more than anything we have a responsibility to find what grounds us for me that was definitely running and and later meditation. And I think whatever your entry point is, whether it's like making a mean pasta dish for your family and that's your Zen, whatever. But we do have responsibility, I think, to this world to cultivate that energy that like I experience at these festivals. I do think we have a responsibility to, to kind of like get on our Zen and be better people. And create healthy boundaries around, uh, you know, around this device that we all have uh, that is like the ultimate, you know, time suck and time saver. Like if you're waiting in line, suddenly waiting in lines are like no big deal because yeah. that's your opportunity to go, you know, check whatever's happening on the phone or you walk into a party and you're even the slightest bit uncomfortable, pull out the phone and look at your phone and look like you're oh, doing that's something. that's such like a good whatever point. Whatever it like, is, like it is the ultimate like companion to uh, distract you, to take you out of the moment. And ironically, also, you know, for both you and I, it's been the device that's helped us craft, you know, lives beyond our imagination. So it's a complicated relationship. I mean, I haven't even thought about that, but we, we spend so much, so little time actually being even bored or uncomfortable. Like that feeling of- no, there's no need to ever do that. And there's never, there's never a, a need to be present if you don't want to be present anymore. Damn, I miss, I miss like, I want someone to call me on a rotary phone. Like I want a landline and I, I mean, I, I wish it would, I wish it were functionally a possible. A rotary phone would look perfect in this apartment. <laughs> it would go perfect with the aesthetic. Yeah, I've got, I've got an eclectic, eclectic situation going on in here. But, um, I don't know. I'm, I often find myself like nostalgic for time periods I didn't experience even like in this lifetime anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think, We are not the first humans to have complicated relationships with technology, nor are we the first ones to sort of contemplate what it means to feel like grounded and centered. Like everything is a mixtape. We're just reliving the mixtape. You just got to find which cadence works for you, I think. Has anybody with type one ever run a hundred miler? Yes, I believe my friend. Yes, my. Uh, I'm pretty sure my friend Stephen England has done a few. Oh, he did, and he's yeah, type yeah. one. Uh huh. Um, and how is it all going? Like, I want to get into that a little <clears throat> bit. Like, you know, on some level, you know, for better or worse, you're the type one diabetic athlete, and that carries a certain, you know, responsibility in terms of how you, you know, advocate to that community yeah, um, and how it's kind of impacting and affecting you, you know, on a day-to-day basis, just the disease itself. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's funny like when I was first diagnosed I was getting used to the technology whatever and now I kind of have found a, a good balance of insulin management and figuring out you know how I take insulin and when and and how to stay sort of within certain uh, blood glucose numbers and you know reducing my A1C and all that stuff but um, it is hard as hell I mean I'm not gonna lie to you like I guess I forget I, I, I forget what it's even like not to be a type 1 diabetic and that was only a few years ago and mm-hmm. it's something I think about 24 hours a day and I think because we all juggle so much like all I'll literally be like dropping to a low, you know, 60 seconds before I'm supposed to go live teaching a cycling class. And it's just, it's my new normal. But it is like, when I take a step back, I'm like, this is, this shit is crazy. Like the things I put my body through while still trying to like, you know, not have such a low that I like, you know, really harm myself or have a high that's, it's bad for me. But, um, Thankfully, I've really reached a balance and type one diabetics have increasingly started to reach out to me. And especially now that I'm, I'm in the Adidas ads wearing my Omnipod, which is an insulin management right. device that I usually yeah, wear on my so you arm. Have this thing that looks like a pack of gum on the back on your yeah. tricep. Yeah. And, and Adidas, that's part of like back to the thing with them. Like they didn't they could have photoshopped that out. They didn't. And they that's part of my story. And I, I think that that's a beautiful thing. But more people have been reaching out to me because of that. And I, the number one, the number one question I get is like, how do you do that? But of course, for something that's medically related, it's so nuanced. It is, I mean, it's so incredibly nuanced, but I think I've, I'm risky. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I go on these long runs and I have no business even like, not that I have no business doing it, but it, it, I have had doctors be like, are you sure? Like, really? Like, I'm not sure. And then I'm like, okay, well, you're not my doctor anymore. Right. Like, I just, I'm, I'm just really, it's I'm not, a, it's not a thing where it's like, okay, I got to figure it out. Like I know the recipe so I can do these runs and it's going to be fine. Like, cause you've gotten into trouble with these races where you thought you had it sorted out and then it doesn't quite work out. And suddenly your blood sugar is not where it needs to be. Yes. And I, and I, and this adventure thing that I did last summer was, I mean, there were real moments where I was super scared where I was like, okay, I don't know. This may be a not coming back from it type of moment. And thankfully I'm still here, but being a type one diabetic has shown me the breath. The It's widened the aperture of what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And I think for better or for worse, it makes me even bolder in the pursuit of movement and whatever other accomplishments I, you know, sort of see in my future. And that is that is the piece of advice I think I would give to other type ones. Like, no, you shouldn't be stupid. No, you shouldn't put yourself in the hospital. Are you gonna have to be ballsy or ovary up, whatever you wanna call it? Yes, boo, you are. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to be very uncomfortable. And did you're you prob- say, Did you just say ovary up? Yeah, because I feel like people are like, oh, he has balls. I'm like, okay, well, my, my my queens have ovaries. Like, let's ovary up. 
Um, but yeah, we got to get uncomfortable. And I spoke at a, at a, a juvenile diabetes conference last year, and there were some kids in the audience and their parents, and their parents, you know, had really genuine concerns about their health. And, and I totally get that, but I would really urge the parents out there of, of T1D kids to, you know, let them explore their boundaries a little bit. Um, because that's how they're going to see how strong they are and honestly start to trust their bodies and really continue that conversation because that has been my biggest thing is just like dropping in and being like, do you have to accept the fact that you have to stop running right now Mm because you're going to pass out? And like Mm -hmm. that, I'm such a stubborn person that sometimes I have to be like, okay, Right. This and training have, runs done. You have understandably terrified parents who don't want their children to be harmed. And of course. probably, uh, you know, by and large are are overprotective because they don't want their kids to get into a situation that could be. You know, That's what I've seen. Oriented. Um, but on some level, you have to counterbalance that against coddling that creates an individual that's afraid of the world. Right. Yes. And it's sort of like um, it reminds me. I talked about this with Joe Rogan on his podcast. Like there was, I saw this, um, or I listened to this Radio Lab uh, podcast, and it was about. I think it was Radio Lab. Oh no, it was. Uh, what was it called? It's uh, Invisibilia. And oh, you've been talking. Yeah, yeah, uh, I gotta, did I tell you? Oh, I you think did, I told you about this. You did right? tell me about this, yeah, and so I keep forgetting this, to download it. This dude who is blind, and he develops this incredible acuity for echolocation. Yeah, and he, he makes this clucking noise with his mouth. He's like. And, and he literally develops sonar. Like he can, it's you so know, nice. the sound waves bouncing off the walls or, or whatever his environment is, dictate to him a visual picture that allows him to navigate the world. So much so that he can go running and he can get on a bike and ride through a neighborhood, which is like mind blowing, right? And so his message, however, is not like, hey, look at this amazing thing, I'm so special. His message is, Anybody who's blind can develop this. Mm. I'm nothing special. The problem is that we're treating blind people like they're, you know, we're babying them and Mm. and we're telling them that they're disabled and that they should be very scared of the world when instead we could be empowering them. And so I bring this example up because it's analogous to, you know, a a diabetic child. And it, it also like is interesting that you said juvenile diabetes. It's almost like a colloquial term. It used to be juvenile diabetes and adult onset diabetes. Yeah, those and, terms and, have been supplanted yeah. with type one and type two. And to be fair, it's called J- the organization's JDRF. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you're you're so because right. juvenile diabetes is not the diabetes that is a result of of diet and lifestyle, whereas type two, adult onset, is more a reflection of that. Not always, but yeah. Generally speak, that's a. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Generally speaking, um, type one is autoimmune, and type two is lifestyle induced or yeah lifestyle induced and and you have type one but you didn't you didn't uh this didn't happen when you were a juvenile this happened no i was i I was diagnosed at 32 blindsided what this beyond beyond blindsided and what's crazy is that although i'm now you know a few years later a type one diabetic athlete i'm definitely in the best shape of my life like i feel I think that's what's so crazy about having type one is that like 99% of the day I feel unstoppable. And then I have a low blood sugar and I'm like, wait a minute, I can't even think. And I'm about to like pass out. What Mm -hmm. is, and it is maybe, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a humbling experience being a type one diabetic. Um, It's equal parts humbling and then equal parts empowering. Actually, not that I would wish it on a single person on the planet, but when you kind of overcome 
something like every day being a type one diabetic, you really do feel like, okay, now what? Like, mm. I feel like I'm in a boxing match with the universe and I'm just like, all right, let's dance. Mm-hmm. Let's do this dance. I got this. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause every time, every time I sort of hit one step back, I feel like I'm even more empowered to take the next leap. Right. It's this weird dance with yourself, but not with yourself, right? The disease is its own own entity that doesn't have a face, although you have a little like thing that looks like a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. That, you that have thing to, like, is so weird. You have to pull out all the time and look at people. Yeah. Think I'm sure people just think you're looking at your phone. They do. And yeah. I actually feel really bad about that. Like if I'm at a dinner or something and uh, I'm like, oh man, like this is insulin. It's right. not like a first generation it Blackberry. Looks, it looks more like a Garmin for the bike. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. does actually. It, it totally does. Um, yeah, so I do, I do feel bad taking it out sometimes, but right. I gotta live. And speaking of the bike, like, how's it going over a Peloton? Explain what Peloton is for oh people. Oh my God, I love know. my Peloton family. Um, <clears throat> so Peloton is an indoor cycling bike that is equipped with a screen that allows you to live stream our classes filmed from New York City. And so I film, I'm an indoor cycling coach and our instructors film from New York live. And then when you can't catch us live, we have an entire library of on-demand rides. So it's literally the Netflix or you know Hulu of cycling. So um, you know you it's, can ride with us 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's crazy. The, there, there is the studio in New York City and it really is, it's a, stu- it's a studio. It is a full functioning multimedia studio. So you go in and you, know, you do the class like any other indoor cycling class in this really cool environment, but there's like a crane arm that's like, you know, like passing above your head, like everything is being filmed and broadcast yeah. it's live too, right? So it's live and also logged, so. It's live and logged, exactly, you, live and on demand. Anyone in, over, and we have an app. anyone anywhere in the world who buys one of these bikes that come with this incredible screen on them can tap into any one of these classes and either do it live or to, so can you, get an account and and like get the classes on your iPad or do you have to have the bike? No, so you can do it. You can do it on your iPad, on your iPhone. Right now it's only it's only available on those two um, platforms unless you have the bike. And now the now the console, your account is connected to Strava. So a lot. So the Strava users and especially the outdoor cyclists are like totally geeking out over that. Mm. Um, The interactivity of the bike itself to different social media platforms like Strava, Facebook, really has created this powerful community around the bike. I mean, as you can imagine, like you might be riding from, you know, your balcony in Santa Monica, but you're like racing somebody who's riding from Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And the two of you can see each other on the leaderboard and then you become like real, quote unquote, real life friends on Facebook. I mean, it's just the layers of it are so beautiful. And I interact with folks. I can see people riding from my screen, you know, on on my leaderboard. So then I shout them out and we kind of have a, have interplay. And then after the ride, I can sort of see how they did. And and we, and we celebrate people's 50th ride, 100th ride, first ride. Somebody just celebrated their thousandth ride. I mean, it's really, it's incredible. I mean, I, I say that Shoes were an instrument in my liberation and I witness every single day this bike 
being a tool of liberation for, I mean, honestly, thousands of people. Yeah. Like, it's beautiful. It's a really cool company. What's the guy's name? The John Foley. CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CEO. I mean, he's yeah, like a he's visionary. A, he he right? absolutely like what he's is. created with this. And what was cool is you got to go and like ring the bell at NASDAQ the, recently. Oh my what, gosh, what was that was the coolest. Yeah, so John Foley and Pel- Peloton was invited to ring the bell at NASDAQ, ring, ring the closing bell. So we just were on set, close, and I had... I had such a moment because I remember the, I, I used to represent a lot of finance people as a corporate litigator. And I remember like around the time the bell was closing, like I, I couldn't really interact with my clients. Like I kind of had to be like, you know, yeah, like. Yeah, I had extra special. And then see how the market you. was doing, whether I could like send them this email or not mm-hmm. send them this email. You know, it was like, did the market do well that day? You know, and I'm sitting on this Peloton bike, closing the NASDAQ bell with my fellow Peloton fam. And I just had this moment like, oh my God. Three years ago, I was a lawyer, and now I'm sitting here closing the NASDAQ bell wearing a sports bra. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I feel this, I want, this trajectory of my life is so insane, and I'm smiling ear to ear because I just like can't even believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, my version of that is I got asked to go back and speak at my law firm where I used to work. That's awesome. Which was bizarre. One of the main partners in the firm uh, somehow got his hands on my book and he was reading it and he didn't know, like he, from the name on the cover, like he didn't remember that I had been an associate. Oh there. So my gosh. So he was reading, he started reading it. So and then he was crazy. like, wait a minute. Like, I know this guy. And he's like, Oh, and now he's talking about, and he's like, what? And then that led to him. That's so neat. You know, and then, yeah, coming. And then yesterday I did a speaking gig at Deloitte and I was introduced, um, by the general counsel of Deloitte, like the general counsel for like the whole company, which is like a huge that's major. thing, right? And yes, in that's this major. Crazy boardroom, and this is like, I'm like, what is like, like when I was a lawyer, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get away from places like that fast <laughs> enough, you know. And like now, I'm getting invited back to like share this. It's just a, you could not script this stuff, and it's not happening because I planned it or wanted it to happen. Exactly, you know, it's an extension of you know what we were talking about earlier. Dude, it's what you're putting out into the universe. People want to eat it up. That's beautiful. Mm. That's great. All right, so what happens when like George Hincapie and Christian Vandeveld and like all of these <laughs> like, superstars of cycling roll into Peloton and take your class? Oh, these guys are so, so they, And they take so Instagrams. Awesome. Do it, I saw it recently. Like like it was George Hincapie and Christian Vandeveld like taking it right in front of that Peloton yeah. logo like at your studio. And I was like, that's Well, George, George and Christian are, are amazing. <laughs> And they've taken my rides. <laughs> and it's actually amazing. Like, and like having, Alex Howes, like some of the younger yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they've taught too. Mm-hmm. So I had like, I don't even know, seven or eight members of Team, team Garmin sit front row in my ride and take a Taylor Swift versus ex-boyfriend's ride. Uh, it was a musical theme. So it was like Taylor Swift and freaking like the Jonas Brothers. And it was like the poppiest, cheesiest music you could ever imagine. Did you do that on purpose or was it already? It just like, was already scheduled and, and the team garment just happened to be there. Right. And I'm looking in front of me like, these are some of the best cyclists in the planet singing along to shake it off. Like right. I, I, my, my day has been, my life has been made. But it's probably but those guys really are fun super, for them too. Cause it's like, they're just used to, I mean. Oh, they're jamming they out. every day. Of and course. It's always the same. Yeah, for yeah. them. I mean, for them, I think it was just like a fun, you know, a little fun venture, but they do, they teach classes on the bike at Peloton. So uh-huh. I mean, when do people get to do that? When do you get to, to train with some of the best cyclists on the, in the world and at, and on our Peloton bike, you, you actually can. Yeah, who, who else comes into Peloton? 
um, of that team. Or just, no, in general, like people you wouldn't expect that roll into your class. Oh, God. You have like, you do these crazy like DJ nights where you have like a guest DJ standing next to you. Okay, so I'm teaching a DJ ride tonight. I decided I'm going to rock my purple wig. Um, I mean, I... It's like a party. It is a party. And I think some of the more surprising people who come, I mean, so, you know, we have celebrities who have our bike and things like that. So sure, like fancy people have the bike. But I think some of the more, like I have this guy, I have this guy, Bruce, who rides in the back of my ride, my hip hop ride, (laughs) jams out to like two chains. He's 75 years old. Mm -hmm. And I just love him so much because he doesn't care. Like he just goes and does his thing. And I don't even know if he knows what the lyrics mean, but he's just jamming. And those are the perfect examples of people who like, no matter how tired I am, make me excited and ecstatic to be able to experience that. It's cool. And you were with, were you with Peloton from the very beginning? I mean, could you have yeah. seen that this company was going to kind of, you know, find its niche and, and grow the way that it has? Because it's really kind of exploded. Honestly, it? I read a, I read an article about the company and John Foley, and I reached out to him directly. Oh, you did? Uh-huh. Yeah. And this was two years ago. So I think I was maybe the third instructor hired, third or fourth, uh-huh. two years and ago. they treat you guys like rock stars. I'm blessed. Yeah. It's, they completely let us organically sort of rock they, mm-hmm. I mean they, it's speaking of authenticity like the, I think the breadth of of instructors that we have the consistent thread is that we're all authentic and athletic and then be then on that it's just like how many colors in the crayon box can you mash together because we are definitely like a funky crew right but everybody's probably you know some version of extrovert right yeah, you I mean, have you to have be. to. You you're up you're there in front of. You're yeah. up there in front of. You know, upwards of. I mean, thousands of people end up taking these ri- each of yeah. these rides, right? So. So what happens when you have a professional cyclist doing it? Because it's like that's not their like. There's a theatricality to it that. Yeah. You know, like these guys are professional athletes. They know everything about cycling, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to like get a crowd super excited. No, about it, totally. Like, a, like I saw. So Christian was teaching last was it, within last week or the week before he was teaching the class after mine uh-huh. and <clears throat> he's like dude and you could see the class going live in the lobby Did he moved to new york or something he's no like i a think chicago no guy. no yeah they just fly him in uh-huh. they fly him in so i think they that like both christian and george taught classes that same week so mm. i think that they were and the first time they taught they taught together uh-huh. So they were both on stage and I took that class. It was a sick 60 minute class. Maybe it was a 90 minute class. It was really good anyway. But, um, you know, I reminded, I reminded both of them, like when you have that engagement and people are working out, like don't be intimidated by the silence. Like sometimes the silence can feel deafening cause you're like, Oh my God, I'm on stage. What am I saying? Right. But you know, people are just so jazzed to be taking a ride with them that like, there's not as much pressure as they think. Yeah, and right. honestly, their playlists were really good. They played like really dope music. They busted out with some hip hop. And I was like, okay, excuse me, swagger alert. Okay, <laughs> got you. All right, where are you going with all this, Robin? With what? Oh, wow, he just dropped the yeah. mic on me. What do you mean? Like, my, my, like my. what's? I'm not talking about next week. I'm like, do you think about like where you want to be in five years or are you just in the moment of like what's happening right now? N- um, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have big, big plans. I mean, I, I want to I wanna revisit the idea of an athletic clothing line. 
and I'm hoping, you know, some of my current brand partnerships <laughs> develop into that conversation. I'm in discussions right now for my own television show, nice. which would involve nice, traveling girl. and sort of Ovaries the Robin up. experiment. What, is, what did you say? <laughs> Ovary up. Ovary up. <laughs> yeah. So um, more TV work. I'm super excited about my book coming out. The documentary Run It Out that we filmed a few years ago about my run across Utah with MS Run the US will debut on the festival circuit, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, in 2017. Mm -hmm. And beyond sort of the practice, I mean, sort of the the, the merchandising and, and, and TV stuff, I kind of want to always be having these conversations. Like, the fact that anybody cares to view my Instagram or listen to what the hell I have to say about anything kind of astounds me. <laughs> but the extent to which I'm making people laugh or inspire them, like, I'll do it forever if, if people want. Right. <laughs> like, right. I'll do it forever. As long as I'm, as long as I'm laughing, I'm good. <clears throat> Does anybody from your old law firm existence ever come into Peloton, or do you? Ever oh run my into God, yeah. From, the, from your other life, I've had a few. I've had a few partners actually ride with me, and it's such a cool experience because I honestly I left my law firm in such good terms. Like I was, an, I was an attorney at Paul Hastings for seven years, and they and they were always very clear. They to were say, great like, for me. It wasn't like you left. Like I hate this. Never no. again. No, you were like you had a good like. No, I wasn't like vibes. chucking law books yeah. across my office. Like I hate my life. It just wasn't for me, and it developed so slowly. You know, my love for running that I, I that I had a, a real deep deep love of the law for, for it's such a cliche thing to say, but I really did. And, um, I, I have had lawyers from my law firm come in and rock out with me. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, my class is explicit. So I think that they're like, Whoa, Robin drops a lot of F-bombs. She didn't really do that when she was preparing our motions. Um, <laughs> summary yeah. judgment, yo. <laughs> this is your summary judgment brief, bitch, whatever. Yeah. No, no, but I respected the hell out of the people I worked with and a lot of them follow up with me and it's especially after the Adidas commercials came out they're like I think I just saw you during like basketball playoffs I'm like oh yeah. <laughs> hi yeah it's it's funny that's cool what is a day in the life like <laughs> it's different every day but I think <clears throat> waking I I try to stay consistent with my morning routine of meditation and now of late, I'm like one month into it, I've started like 10 minutes of free writing. Mm. In my mind, I was like, oh, 10 minutes. If I don't have an hour, if I don't have a day, if I don't have an afternoon, like it's not worth it. And then I realized just the consistency of the act, even if I wrote nothing, was helpful. That's so important. Oh, that's dude. a huge point. Like, oh, I don't have two hours, so I can't write. It's oh, that's like, no. That's know? what it's the, and, it's the micro actions. And actually, Mishka, write. like, maybe even, oh gosh, it might've been two years ago. This, I don't even remember. He challenged me to write every day for a month and oh, I, I did, and I did yeah. it and I really liked it. Was that when you were working on your book? Actually, it was before I even had my book deal uh. and I had chapters of my book written before I even got my deal because of Mishka's challenge. Mm. So thanks Mishka and congrats on your new book. Um, but I, I have had to, and I do the same thing also with training. Like if I'm like, oh man, I was going to do eight miles today and now I only have time to do four. Like 
instead of being like, screw it, I'm not doing anything, do the four. So mm-hmm. I've decided, so in my mornings now, I try to, I mean, I don't do this every day. Sometimes I mess up, sometimes I'm too busy. But I try to consistently meditate for 20 minutes, write for 10. So it's like 30 minutes of my morning before I even pick up my phone that I kind of can get out whatever I need to get out. And are you able to do that without looking at your phone first? Honestly. Mo- I would say like, honestly, I'm successful 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. That's good. I have, you know, the the setting, the little moon setting on your iPhone. Uh-huh. So I have that set to an automatic, like it, my phone, I don't receive any text messages after 11 p.m. And I don't receive any until seven in the morning. So that helps me manage. So that way I don't have to have my phone on, um, on airplane mode, but I won't receive like the alerts and stuff. I gotcha. And it, I'm not always successful. Are you kidding? I'm like totally a creature of whim. Mm -hmm. So it, it it does happen where I, I don't do that, but I will say I can, I can, I have a palpable, I can feel a palpable difference in my day when I just do the, th- those two things. And when I don't do it, I always, I can, I can rationalize and explain not doing it every single, like every morning I could probably give you like, oh, there's always an argument. Oh, yeah. like uh, it's not hard to come up. With I could give you 10 reasons why, why I don't have time, yeah. why I don't feel like it, why whatever. Um, but when I do, when I do start my day like that, I feel infinitely better. I'm such a nicer person, such a kinder human. And I'm actually more productive. And what kind of meditation technique are you using? Or I have a Vedic about? meditation practice. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh. So Ben Tertian, who was a lawyer oh, yeah, with yeah, me yeah, at Paul ben. Hastings, yes. he is my meditation guru teacher. And he taught me he taught me a Vedic practice and gave me my mantra about two years ago. Right. That's cool. He's a former lawyer and he does stuff with Mind Body Green. Yes, and, he does. Yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with all. His yeah. Stuff. So so yeah, Ben works with Mind Body, and I think that he. I think a lot of a lot of modern day uh, meditation practitioners and like teachers kind of get get the realities of learning meditation in an age where we're inundated with all this stuff. But, but Ben really does get it, and he he suffered from sort of his his own modern day as existential crisis as a lawyer and being unhappy. So he completely understands that journey, mm-hmm. which I respect the hell out of. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my my days involve, I mean, I train 35 to 40 hours a week right now, gearing up for my 100 miler, which includes my the classes I teach at Peloton eight times a week. Um, and then other than that, it's, I, I have about two to three photo shoots and video shoots a week for like press and, and different publications I know you're uh, always like I gotta shoot I'm doing this shit I'm like who are are these people that are always shooting like where is this coming from like how does that work like I'm mystified by that I mean it's it's like photographers popping out of like behind you know like well people joke they're like do you have a photographer like in your backpack like where do these people take these photos of you but um yeah, I mean, it's it's anything from stuff with the with the magazine that I co-founded, Undo Ordinary. So right, sometimes we're shooting ask for you that. About, yeah, at so we have framed, yeah, yeah. cover photo right in front of me. Right so we now. have so we just released the fourth issue. So it's been one mm-hmm. full year in production, and um, Daivasha who runs that ship. I mean, I can't even take credit for the creative vision. Like that is completely her She's baby. She's the design person. Well, she co-founded Undo with me, and she is absolutely like a creative powerhouse yeah, so anything read, from videos to print to, she's like brilliantly talented she's she's really brilliant um and just her vision 
from and anything from styling a photo shoot to to picking a typeface. Like she just has a really a really gut instinct for what is progressive and what is undue, which is about, you know, ordin- ordinary people and ordinary experiences actually being extraordinary and undoing the mundane. Um, so undo. So I shoot for undo and it's anything like mind, body, green. I'm going to be working with them. I'm developing content with them. I film stuff with Peloton all the time. We have photo shoots and content shoots and, you know, I'm shooting with women's health later today. Mm. I'm, I just filmed a series with health.com, you know, so it's, uh, it's a mixed bag of stuff, but it's yeah. all really awesome. Yeah. And you're doing this to like, do you have like do these people just contacting you directly? Like, how does that work? Do you have a, do you have like an agent? <clears throat> I don't have an agent. I have a book agent, but that's it. Everything else I negotiate myself. My assistant Tawana is an angel walking among us. She handles like, I mean, upwards, I mean, hundreds of inquiries a week, like mm. hundreds. And so things kind of field through her and then she gets me what I need to know. And then we set up the shoots, the Skype interviews, the phone calls, the conferences, the in-person meetings. And I kind of, I try to schedule things like, like now I'm scheduling through late April. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and how's the, how are you going to roll the book out? Like what is the, do you have like a strategy or a plan? So I just met with my PR team last week and I think that we have a PR team too. How convenient, Robin. Now we're getting to the truth. Just let that slip out. Ovaries up. Actually, every single person on my PR team is a woman. Uh huh. All right. So Including from my that. book agent to my book editor, all women, mm-hmm. and it makes it fills me with pride. Did you like the design of the book? Is so like when you were talking about typeset and you know all of like aesthetic on the page, like the the book just screams you. So how like do you had was there like an in-house designer at the yes. imprint that was that you worked with directly or like did you come up with that yourself like how does that work so we work i worked directly with harper design on everything on the book and of course i wrote the book and then after submitting my copy we kind of went through with pictures that that i had selected with the photographers i worked with and i mean we went through it kind of was so when like a designer is coming out with a line, they kind of have different colors for the, like a color scheme right. and, a palette. and a, pa- a palette and an inspiration board. And that's kind of how we started because the book is not just a running book is I, I like to think of it as like a, a beautiful coffee table book mm-hmm. talking about running. And, um, it's, it's, you know, the plant power way is similar in that. Like it, Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you're like journalistic. a journalist style coffee yeah. book, like lifestyle thing at the same time. It, yeah, exactly. And so this, I mean, the, this aesthetic, I wanted it to be like, reflected my experience of running through New York City because New York has been such a character in my running narrative. Your boyfriend. New York is my boyfriend. Well, yeah. Well, not anymore. <laughs> I, have, I, have a new, I have a new boyfriend. <laughs> oh, York, no. Hearts but, are but, breaking <laughs> across the planet, Robin. Uh, I, I, picked, I picked one up in Costa Rica, brought him home as a souvenir. Oh, that's where he came from. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have never oh. met. We're so we're so different. I'm trying to get him on the vegan train. Ah, yeah. I was going to ask you I'm, if you're still on the plane. Yeah, I am. I am. And I'm slightly, I'm so annoying because I try not to be like prescriptive. And then I'm like, are you sure you want to eat that? <laughs> like, I'm like the nagging girlfriend. <laughs> it's horrible. But um, but yeah. Um, 
What was that? Do, I forget. What I was don't it? know what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the aesthetic of the book. Oh, the aesthetic book. Yeah, I really wanted it to be um, representative of my experience of running through New York City that I find so visually engaging. And, you know, we've talked about that before. Like, you have such a visual conversation with the world all the time, but especially when you're running through New York. And I think that I really do think that the photography and the design reflects that and the design team at Harper was so patient with me being like I like that color I don't like that color I don't like it like it's just like fickle as hell but you know it's my baby Mm -hmm. and for uh for the book launch I feel like you should like go visit a bunch of cities but instead of doing like a reading or a signing you just go you just do runs oh my god so funny you say that because we're 100% we're gonna do it in LA and New York for sure and maybe London if I'm there but um that is what we're gonna do oh so I was gonna never mind what I was thinking London Olympics, but I was the oh, last no. Olympics. Oh, no. That happened. <laughs> I was already there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I'm, I'm actually hoping to do a little drop by Rio for Rio. the Olympics, but we'll see. Um, you know, just cover it right. as me, you know. But the the book, yeah, so June 21st, the book comes out, and I'm going to be doing runs in New York and L.A., and they will be with heavy beats. We're going to have, like, people on bikes with beats to follow us. We're going to do a lot of, like, what I what I call with Adidas, like energy moments. Like we're just mm. going to have like some surprises along the way. That's cool. Yeah. Is, is, is Adidas going to help with that? Cause that could be, well, cool. I will definitely be partnering with them in some capacity. Right. That's still, we're still talking about that, but yeah, I'm, I'm with, I'm on the Adidas team for sure. Like they, they're my family. They have shown me a lot of love. All right. Well, you definitely have to let me know about the LA one. Oh hell yeah. Of I course. Of course I will. That. Yeah. It'll be in June. Cool. I think we did it. Oh, we did it again. Third yeah, time's a charm. Third time. Thanks for listening to if me I ramble. Lived, if I lived here or you lived in LA, it would be more like seven, <laughs> so. I want I want to do one with Mishka. Yeah. We and with do JJ. That. We could do that. We could do that. That would be like a whole I did it I did one with JJ the other day. Okay, we cool. Back on. We could have done a combined one though. We could have oh, just recorded our dinner the Oh we could God, ago. that was so good. Peace <laughs> food. It was yeah. so good. I mean I think I think speaking of look, we're we're always talking about like energy and you do attract like such special people and anyone I've met through you has instantly become like my new favorite person. Mm -hmm. And like Mishka has become like one of my really close friends. And I think it's so cool that I think the world would combust if all of us just got on a pod together. Well, what I keep (laughs) wanting to do, and we talked about this, I just didn't get it together to do a live podcast, but I would, I would like to do a New York city live podcast with you, JJ, and Mishka together. Oh my God! Can you to plan let's it ahead do of time it? And like, I'm make that so happen into it. And get like a cool venue and like make a night of it. You know, I think it would be great. I'm so. I'm down. So like, but now Mishka, it's, he's hard to pin down. He's all over the place. So well, yeah, he's a he's a busy bee too. But we'll make it happen. And I think if I'm gonna I'm gonna make a call out because I always tell people like put it out there so, so you stay accountable. So if you guys are listening to this. Make, keep us accountable mm-hmm. so we get a date on the calendar and make it happen yeah i think i have to be i have i have some stuff going on in new york i think in july i mean I'll oh that's perfect be back this summer i'm not sure let's make it happen in july yeah. i'll be around we'll i'll see. be around till burning man so i get to run around the desert naked oh, again yeah. when is that again <laughs> it's always the week before labor day but yeah. i just got my tickets <laughs> like yesterday i got my tickets <laughs> i still have that devil on my shoulder yeah <laughs> He needs to dance. <laughs> All right. At Robin NYC, the book is shut up and run. I'm sure it's everywhere. Uh, 
I don't know when I'm putting this out, but I'll put, I want to put it out right when you tell me when the okay. best time is because I want to help you get the word out about it. All right, this cool. Book. But check it out. You know, I all I've, I haven't seen a hard copy yet because it doesn't exist at the date of this conversation, but I have looked at the proofs and it's quite something. You should be super proud. It's really exciting. And uh, this is your time, Robin. Aw, oh, thanks Spread for listening, y'all. <laughs> Spread those wings and ovaries up. <laughs> I love that that's what we took away from this. And I like, like, yes, salute. Salute to all the hustlers. Cool. We did it. (laughs) Peace, y'all. Thank you so much, Rich. Plants. She's so awesome, right? I mean, what else is there to say? There's nothing left to say. We said it all. I just love that, and I love her. Uh, definitely pre-order Shut Up and Run. It really is a very cool, uh, completely, totally unique book. I've never seen anything like it, and it really does stand out in this world of kind of like bland training manuals and running books. It's, I think it's a must-have if you're into running, if you're into inspiration, and you're looking for a great, accessible kind of how-to book that is welcoming rather than intimidating. Don't forget to check out the show notes uh, at richroll.com on the episode page. Lots of links to take your infotainment, your education, your edutainment, your info education to the next level. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash richroll. And also go to richroll.com. I've got signed copies of Finding Ultra. Have you guys read Finding Ultra? I don't talk about my memoir that much. It's been out for a couple of years, but uh, yeah. Why not, right? There's new people listening to this. Check out my book, Finding Ultra. I'm really proud of it. Also, if you're looking for a cookbook or a lifestyle guide, The Plant Power Way, we got that too. We'll sign both of those if you buy them through my site. We also have cool Plant Power t-shirts and tech tees and other sweet swag and merch and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has helped put this show on today. Jason Camiolo for audio engineering and production and editing. Sean Patterson for graphics. Chris Swan for production assistance and compiling the show notes and theme music by Analemma. Thanks for everything, you guys. I love you. Uh, thanks for taking this ride, this crazy journey with me. It means everything to me to have you guys on board. I appreciate all the support and the love and the comments and the emails, etc. Keep rocking, and I will keep doing my best to deliver to you guys amazing content. Peace, plants. See you next week. Yeah.